This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Let's talk about mental health and our kids today. Well, late last week, the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention released some very startling data. I read about it in an article in the uh, Washington Post. Uh, the information um, in that article from the Washington Post um, comes from the Youth Risk Behavior Survey, which shows nearly one in three high school girls saying they had considered suicide, a 60% rise in the past decade. Uh, nearly 15% said they had been forced to have sex. About six in 10 girls were so persistently sad or hopeless they stopped regular activities. Now, I want to reiterate these are American numbers, but I think it's important to discuss the issue as it points to a crisis among young girls. Joining me now to discuss the issue is Dr. Jillian Roberts. She's a child psychologist, founder of Mind Key, uh, Mind Key Health, and a professor of educational psychology at the University of Victoria. Dr. Roberts, thank you for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, what are your main takeaways from this study? Well, it's a, an alarming increase. Um, it's the, the, the biggest increase from uh, a major um, government organization that I've seen in the past five years. So um, it's exceeded what the previous studies have pointed to. And so it's underscoring that this is a real problem. We are really in a mental health crisis and we need to prioritize our young people. Why is this happening in your mind? Well, I think a, a large portion is that um, people were so isolated during COVID and school was disrupted. Uh, people didn't have the chance to be with each other and it created a kind of loneliness. Um, and then young people turned to being online and online was their source of um, entertainment and um, fellowship and community connection. But when you're online, you're constantly being judged. You're constantly being evaluated. Um, and it's absolutely the opposite of, you know, unconditional love or unconditional positive regard. Dr. Roberts, I know we're always so quick to point out um, society's emphasis on beauty and body standards, especially with social media. But part of that survey also focused on sexual violence. And I think yeah. that's something that we need to address. Can you talk about that? Well, absolutely. Um, I think the, the statistics offered in um, the Washington Post study are an underestimate. So they had indicated um, 15% of girls. Um, when I think of the young women that I see in, in clinic, now mind you, they're clinic referred, I would say more than a half, um, easily more than a half of girls um, would say that they've experienced sexual violence. So I, I don't know if consent maybe or the concept of consent has been mixed up with how easily it is to find like pornography online. Maybe um, our, our community is forgetting what like normal relationships look like or what normal seeking of consent looks like. You know, you talk about how during the, 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 the pandemic, we all turned to digital media. It was a way of finding community, but it also is a way of isolating people. Absolutely. There's, there's a kind of anonymity when you're online. 
you know, if you're not feeling good that day, you can take it out on other people behind a veil of being anonymous or, you know, not having to take responsibility for what you've said or what you've done. And I think sometimes people act out um, in a way that's hurtful to other people, but because they can't see the person, they're not like immediately beside the person. Um, they don't they don't really realize what they've done. You know, a lot of teens, they hide their fears, they hide their concerns. And I mean, this survey was was quite remarkable and quite disturbing. Do they need more outlets to like get help and be able to talk about these things? Um, absolutely. And I think um, most people don't understand that mental health care is not covered by our medical system. Um, if you're trying to get mental health care, it's the most severe of conditions um, like psychosis or, you know, where even then um, you're looking at um, a, a significant weight to even be seen by a psychiatrist. I think the number one thing our government could do is find a way to um, provide access to registered psychologists or registered clinical counselors, registered social workers, um, so that our community um, has has a way of healing in the wake of COVID. This survey um was 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 emphasizing female teens. What about teen boys? How do they compare? Um, yes. Well, what the research shows us is that um, um, girls tend to internalize, which means if they have anguish, they're directing that anguish inside of themselves. Um, boys tend to externalize, which means they act out their anguish. So um, when you hear about smashed windows or vandalism or um, you know, um, smashed up cars, um, anything like that, that is that is um, a young, if it, if it was done by a young man, that's a young man's way of saying that they're hurting, that they're not okay. Um, their behavior is showing us that they're not okay inside. So yes, I think both um, males and females um, right now are struggling and, and both need care and we need to understand how mental health you know, presents in, in both genders. And what about ethnic lines? Racism must be a trigger for this kind of depression. Well, you know, one of the things that's most concerning to me is the statistics um, from the North. Um, our Indigenous populations are so at risk, um, it's incredibly at risk. Um, our Indigenous youth on reserve or in the North, our Inuit population, um, the, the, the level of risk is astounding. I'm just astonished that not more is being done. It's it's really alarming. So yes, like and, and I, I think new Canadians are so isolated from extended families. Um, you know, they come here sometimes just in their nuclear family. They don't have a support network. They don't know how our system works. They don't know how to get support. Um, but they're you know every bit Canadian as everybody else, and every bit human as everybody else, and, and needs and needs help. And we we need to give it. You know. Dr. Roberts, final question to you. How much of this in regards to, obviously, the numbers are, are quite striking, but do you think perhaps a post-COVID environment may help at least reverse some of these numbers? Um, I, I hope so. Like, I, I, I really hope so. Um, I think, though, that some, some young people have just been so, um, like, their social skills are so delayed that, you know, it's like you've been in a dark room and you go out and the sun is too bright. Like people don't, sometimes people don't know how to regulate themselves or behave with each other in a way that is full of love and grace. So I, I do think that there's hope in the future, but I think that hope would be amplified if there was some government initiative.
Dr. Roberts, thank you so much for your time today. Happy Family Day to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me again.